Welcome to Vossa, celebrating Pacific and Papua New Guinean voices and discussing our future. Vossa is a storytelling project driven by experts and creatives in the region with support from the World Bank in the Pacific and Papua New Guinea. Bolavinaka! My name is Arieta Rika and I am your host. Today's Dalanoa will focus on connectivity and the improvements that greater internet access over the years has allowed for people in the Pacific and Papua New Guinea. I speak to Shivnesh Prasad, Digital Development Specialist at the World Bank, who sets the scene on the evolution of connectivity in our region. Also joining us today is Crystal Kewe, a self-taught software engineer and co-founder of Chrisan Technology, on how improved connectivity has created unique opportunities in her life. Lastly, we're joined by Kalalaine Fainu, the founder of Pacifica Film Festival, to discuss how connectivity has allowed films and digital content to be shared throughout regional and remote areas of the Pacific and Papua New Guinea. So Shivnesh, what is the current state of connectivity across the Pacific and Papua New Guinea, according to Internet Access, and what story does the data tell? Hi, Rieta. Um, thank you for the question, and, and it's, it's a pleasure to be uh, on this podcast with you and the uh, fellow uh, panel members. In terms of the what the, what the data says, um, the data is actually quite revealing as far as the analysis show for um, you know all the Pacific in the country, uh, uh, countries in, in the region, uh, starting from Fiji, which is traditionally, you know, one of those uh, that have um, a higher level of connectivity uh, propelled by, you know, ex- an explosion of uh, broadband connectivity through mobile, mobile connectivity, really. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, you've, you've got um, you know, Kiribati, uh, which, which, which is now connected through um, uh, mobile services, but primarily relying on satellite uh, for the international back- backhaul. Um, going into PNG, which has a 14% broad mobile broadband uh, connectivity at the moment. Um, uh, again, that's, that's the data that's um, improving, um, given that the landscape in, in PNG is also uh, changing over time. Um, generally, uh, the landscape across the Pacific has been has been quite dynamic um, since since the um, you know the early part of. Um, so 2000 and 2008 onwards, uh, once the markets have been deregulated, uh, number of competition, number of uh, providers of internet services uh, have, have increased uh, for different markets. And through competition, prices have come down, uh, people are able to afford services. In terms of uh, access to um, um, hardware or devices, that's also, um, uh, that's also become more affordable over the years. And, and people generally have, have now developed an appetite an, an appetite to access ICT services and and one of the key reasons and, and I see this uh, quite often in the region uh, there's there's a huge appetite for accessing of ICT services within the uh, Pacific population um, it's not uncommon to let's say only Fiji which has as I said a, a, a traditionally a higher number of people being connected but 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 the appetite is actually growing across the entire spectrum of the population be it Kiribati be it uh, PNG Samoa Tonga Vanuatu and and um, I think uh, people are accessing more and more. They're accessing services um, at the convenience of their fingertips. Um, and, and really, 
it's it's no different from what a consumer in, in in a developed economy say from for australia new zealand or the us would would expect in terms of being able to access services online this is not just about connecting uh, with each other on facebook on twitter or or on other other social media platforms it this is also about improving prospects for education for example uh, the ability to engage in trade um, expand your uh, business boundaries source markets that are traditionally not located in your same, same uh, you know countries and 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 really the power the transformative power of ICT in that respect um, in terms of connectivity has has really evolved um, since since uh, the late uh, 2000 uh, 2010 onwards um, uh, and and this, and the data does say that you know services are becoming more affordable um, there's a greater number of people that are utilizing these services and and uh, and and really as as more of these countries liberalize uh, and have more access to um, 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 data through um, submarine cables for example which has the impact of significantly decreasing the cost of connectivity um, there's there's obviously going to be more emphasis on growth of 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 this um, of of the users and the usage i think uh, current uh, trends also show that there's there's quite a lot of um, data uh, uh, being being demanded for um, social media connectivity um uh, exchange of videos uh, participation in in storytelling even uh, people are from the pacific the, the diaspora for example they there's there's an implication of 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 ICT being used as a medium for cultural retention for example uh, people um would would share experiences there's this facebook forums for example that have been developed over the years uh, where the diaspora connect uh, to the homelands uh, um so uh, this this has also an implication on the retention of culture across across different societies in the pacific yeah? thanks shiv that's a great point about using connectivity to preserve and promote our culture and identity carlo given your work with the pacifica film festival i'd like to ask how has connectivity improved both the access and the distribution of films throughout remote and regional areas across the region Um yeah thanks Ari. Um yeah well I guess um in terms of what we do with um the, the Pacifica Film Festival if I can sort of um give a little bit of background on where we're at this year which has been um quite an interesting and a new phase for us is this is the first year that we've actually um taken the film festival um to the Pacific Island region um and by uh offering the content that we have to host that are in in countries like Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, here in Papua New Guinea, uh Vanuatu, Solomon Islands. And so we have been navigating um how to best distribute um you know the the film content that we have um because one of our goals um from a very long time ago has always been to take the content that we receive back to the places that have inspired it so the pacific stories made by generally made um by those in in the diaspora um but you know some that are made you know um you know in in the little really remote islands and it, and it takes them a month for them to send their film to us and they have all of these issues and trying to distribute their their story and their and their content um it has become a lot easier um as connectivity has improved over the years um but you know it's it's um you know it, we've definitely seen that it's um 
much easier process to be able to, um, one, receive stories from people, from content creators and storytellers who are wanting to share their stories um, um, with the, you know, with the outside world, with, the, with everybody out there. Um, and then also take them and redistribute them back to these places, you know. Um, one, you know, we still have a much bigger dream to want to be able to distribute these to you know, even more remote places. Right now, we're just sort of using, you know, Port Moors, for example, in PNG, you know, Moresby, um, you know, it's, it's much easier here. It's a big city. Um, so it's much easier to sort of find venues and, 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 and send content from Australia and have download links. But we couldn't do that. In, in different places across the country. So we would rely on having to get, you know, content there in an old fashioned way, um, you know, and so it's a bit of um, trial and error and we see how it runs that we can continue to expand our reach throughout the region and, and travel into more remote areas and, um, you know, keep sharing the stories. And, you know, I did really, I thought that comment was really, um, it really resonated well with what we're doing too about the whole, like using the participating in storytelling in these, you know, online spaces and as a way of um, cultural retention. And I think that's exactly um, one of the beautiful things about the connectivity is, is being able to share your culture, your stories and your voices in a really raw, um, honest way that, you know, sometimes is missed if say someone comes in and does a marketing video or it just tries and shares your culture from a, a different kind of perspective. This is really coming from the voices of the people. And Thank you. Such great comments. I'd like to direct this next question to you, Crystal. Can you please tell us of the story of how you became a self-taught software engineer and how this experience led you to founding your firm in Papua New Guinea? Sure. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a perfect example of how your environment shapes you. Um, so my um, my father has a deep love for engineering, but um, he took a business at uh, in university, and he's been working for over twenty years now as a business consultant and professional. Um, because he has a deep love for engineering, I was always surrounded with computers. Um, he'd always be fixing stuff and all that. Uh, so I, I I guess I had a natural knack for that, and and my interest in that started out at a very young age. Um, but also the kind of support that I got from from my father. Um, in that I never saw it as a, as a, you know, this discussion about um, definitely it is a male-dominated field, um, but, but I never saw it as that. I saw it as, a, as, as an interesting field for me to get into, and it started off with just my uh, love for gaming. I was an avid gamer. Um, so around 12, I started teaching myself how to program, and the first language I learned was Python. Uh, so that's like a mid-level programming language. It's mostly used for statistical analysis, big data. Um, and for those getting into machine learning or, or um, artificial intelligence, that's the programming language for that particular specialty. Um, so yeah, I, I, again, connectivity and in the internet especially comes into this because I'm, I'm fortunate that I grew up around the time where this was already present um, for my generation. So I really utilized it to the best of my ability. And um, I basically went online. I searched for YouTube tutorials, uh, anything I could find online, textbooks, um, publications. And um, my dad also serves as a as sort of my researcher. So he would go and find stuff and curate them for me because there's, 
there's a lot on the internet. And um, if you're on your own, it, it can be very difficult to identify, um, you know, the specific materials to go through, like that'll take you from beginner to intermediate to advanced. So he helped curate some of those materials for me. And um, because I was so passionate about it, I locked myself up in the room and I just, I just learned. And, um, you know, after I taught myself how to program after two weeks, and then I saw that it was really interesting that I could build stuff and, you know, they had moving parts and they could work. Um, and, you know, after a while, I had this brilliant idea that, you know, why not start a gaming company where I could build games and then sell them to my friends and some of my uh, relatives in Australia and New Zealand. So I told, told my father that, and he said, oh, that's a brilliant idea, but, you know, we really don't have the market here in PNG. Uh, if, you, if you were in other countries like Australia or New Zealand or the US, then um, that's certainly an idea you could, you could explore. Um, so anyway, um, I decided that at the end of um, the year, I figured um, I'd like to come out and uh, start the business with my father and, and pursue something that I loved. Um, so I talked to my dad and um, thankfully he was very supportive of me. Like I left school after 2014. Um, my father registered the company under his name because I wasn't old enough to register a company. Um, and yeah, I've been working ever since then, um, ever since 2015. So I don't have a degree, but I will be getting one soon. Um, yeah, I'm bound for New Zealand next year. Um, I'll be going to do my degree program. Um, but, you know, education is not, I always tell kids, the students that I go and speak to that, you know, it's not just bound to an institution um, or it's not bound to a certain period in your life. Um, it's a lifelong pursuit. And this is Isaac Newton said, you know, the moment you uh, stop learning, that's the moment you start dying. Um, so, you know, I've, and a lot of people have asked me, oh, what, what university have you gone to or what have you studied overseas? Um, but, you know, I haven't gone to that level yet, but just by using the internet and, and utilizing it properly, I've been able to um, develop myself professionally, but also personally as well. That's such an inspiring story, Crystal, and it's so wonderful to hear where the passion behind everything you've achieved has come from and the supportive environment that has helped you to thrive. So, Crystal, can you share with us, what are your thoughts on creating spaces for stories like yours to emerge for young people and young women in the software development space, but also as entrepreneurs in general um, in fields that are highly dependent on connectivity? So, from my point of view, I, I believe that it starts at home. Um, and... I think for girls especially, um, parents should encourage them that, um, you know, regardless of what industry they're interested in or, you know, what they'd like to try out uh, later on, um, what's most important is ambition. And if they're willing to put in the work to get to where they need to get you, um, there's really nothing that they cannot do. Um, so that's, that's, that's the exact kind of advice that I got from from, from my father. So, um, you know, for me, I, I don't ever pursue something thinking that considering, I mean, with having doubts about whether I can do it or not. Um, 
as long as I've set my mind to it, I know I'll achieve it. It's, only, it's just a matter of time where the right opportunities will, will fall into place. Um, but also, I think we need to have one big thing that I haven't seen myself is more role models. Um, I'm very fortunate and privileged uh, and, and honored that, that I am a role model to other, um, other young girls growing up. Um, but we, even, even for myself too, I do not have role models here in the Pacific that I can look up to. Um, there are a few, but it'll be good if we can have more of them come out and share their stories, share their journeys. Um, but generally, you know, it's, um, if, if you look at who we are as human beings, um, you know, if, if you take out the gender, um, what's important is you have a mind that's potentially capable of anything. Um, and if you can establish the right goals and, and, and ambitions and have a plan, um, and if you're willing to put in the hard work, then, then you can get there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with, the, with, with Crystal's point that no, it, it's about creating a supportive um, um, infrastructure as well as um, society sort of comes on together and, and allows for equal participation uh, uh, and equal opportunities for everyone. Now, in, in terms of, uh, I think, um, to encourage uh, sort of more female participation, participation in this space. Uh, um, I think the role of connectivity, um, as highlighted in, in Crystal's case, uh, um, she, she made this point when she said that she made the correct use of the internet. Um, correct use, uh, how is that different from any use for that, for, for that matter, right? Um, like uh, when we're talking about increasing connectivity to the rural for example, or, or to, to, to the unconnected, it's not just about, in my opinion, it's, it's not about about people having the ability just to take a phone or make Skype calls or, or, or chat on, on Viber or Facebook, but it's about what's next. It's also about the productive use of the resource. I mean, it's, it's all good to you know, talk and, and, and chat and, and be entertained using the internet, but then what does, how do you build on from there? How do you use this medium? How do you access YouTube, for example, to, to access educational content? Uh, maybe um, you know uh, by by reaching to the rurals and and providing them with internet facilities in in safe public spaces, for example, would encourage a child from the nearby village who has not had access to the internet and does not have access to a computer at home, for example, if she's able to come into a safe public space, for example, a, a telecenter of sorts or a, um, or a school that, that is now connected, she's able to sit down in an environment where she's able to access these resources. This could really inspire the next crystal. These are such great insights and they highlight the importance of creating safer spaces for young people, particularly young girls, to support and encourage their journey into the digital space. Carlo, what role do you think film can play in terms of raising awareness for the role models that do exist within the Pacific? And how can this awareness help encourage young people to emerge as leaders and entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think um, the, the beautiful thing about um, storytelling and especially in the film format is that you can uh, create and share a story um, that has a really important um, message um, behind it and that it can resonate um, with people 
um, on, a, on a really subliminal level sometimes or a very, a very direct level. I know that we've had lots of feedback from um, uh, viewers of our films who say, you know, thank you for bringing this film to, you know, to our cinema or to our local area because um, we don't get to watch films that have people in it that we can identify with or that, or, you know, there's someone in this story that looks like me, that speaks like me, who has had a similar experience to me. And, and that means much more than someone else telling that story or an outsider experience. And so um, people find role models in those stories. They can identify with those stories and they can use those stories as, as a means of inspiration. And we hear that kind of feedback um, from people who watch our films all the time. And, and especially films just made by our, um, you know, a lot of our content is really made by um, emerging storytellers, people who are really raw. They may not have done any film school. They're just, they've got an idea and they, they have some sort of technology that allows them to make a film. Um, and, and, you know, they might not have the best of the best, but what they have is the story. The story is the most important part. It's the core of everything. And, and when you can tell a story that hits somebody on an emotive level, you've, you've really done everything that you need to do. And, um, that can really, you know, um, take someone into, you know, um, taking some bigger steps of their own in the future. Thank you, Carlo. Just uh, on that, in terms of creating new spaces, uh, I'd like to open this question to each of you. As we move towards a future with even more improved um, improvements sorry, to connectivity, what are your hopes for the future of our region in creating tremendous opportunities for our people through connectivity? Well, a few things I'd like to see as, uh, as we head into the future with improved connectivity. Uh, the first one um, is, is that I'd like to see uh, our kids in the Pacific and uh, youth and our students uh, have a better understanding of how to properly utilize uh, technology. Um, it's a wonderful thing, and I mentioned it earlier, and uh, Shivnish uh, further emphasized it. Um, the technology is a wonderful um, um, I came across this quote, I don't know by who, but I think it was by Brian Tracy, but uh, he said, you know, technology is a, is a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. Um, so, you know, it's only here to, um, to help facilitate certain things in our life. And as Carla just mentioned, it helps in things like bringing down borders and helping uh, us reach out and collaborate with people that are in other countries um, uh, and other parts of the world. So it's a, it's a facilitator, it's an enabler, it's a great tool for productivity, um, for entertainment, for educational purposes, for business operations, um, government operations, but um, it's only a tool uh, to enable us to do the things that we want to do. It, it shouldn't replace, you know, many of the important things in our, in our, in our life, like, um, uh, you know, how we conduct our relationships with others, our ability to communicate, you know, one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one with other people. So having, you know, like a platform where we can access, um, you know, whatever our languages are in our various, uh, in, in our various provinces and villages, 
and also access to you know, traditional stories and, and customs, et cetera. Uh, so technology can help to preserve that and, and um, ensure that the kids and the youth growing up today in this modern world do not lose touch of their, uh, their culture, their way of life, um, and their ancestral, ancestral um, um, heritage. Uh, so yeah, so those are those are my hopes uh, for the future as we move as we move towards improved connectivity. Thanks, Crystal. I, I um, she, she's just wrapped everything up perfectly. I think all of those um, hopes are, are similar to things that I, I would have said as well. Um, I'm really glad that you actually spoke about um, teaching. Um, you know, to. Uh, best utilize our this connectivity without losing touch on our humanity uh, you know at that human connection um, you know when I see news reports about you know 5g coming and everything about to speed up and connectivity about to get better my business side the person who relies on connectivity um, is like yay this is a good thing but then you know me the individual who like loves to get lost in um you know spaces coming to the island and you know when i'm moving from australia and coming to png and life is a little bit slower and people walk around and look up at each other and say hello to each other on the street because they're not consumed by looking down at their phones 24 7. when i went back to sydney for a break i got on a train and i got on a bus and i walked down the street and everyone was staring at their phones because we have that ability to do so there, you know, and that really shocked me having moving between the two spaces, even though I lived there, you know, it was much more visible having removed myself from there and then coming back. And so I, you know, I don't, that is also a fear. I don't want, you know, I'd hate to see the beautiful, like that beautiful essence of human connection um, be lost here as well or you know, throughout the region and we'd be start to be consumed by the technology. I think we're all reading from the same playbook <laughs> um, but yeah in terms so I, I guess so my, my sort of <laughs> intervention on this would be more of comments really. Um, uh, in, in, I'm very optimistic about, about technology and its applications but that doesn't mean that I'm naive to the challenges that that are there in terms of uh, you know cybersecurity, in terms of people oversharing, which is a big issue right now for our youths, um, uh, oversharing their on the social media accounts, for example. Um, that said, uh, the, how I see the future landscape evolving is the virtual life and the real life. It's going to integrate to a point where it's going to be very difficult to know what is what. Um, a classic case of that right now is people, for example, on social media um, that, that, that post say, fake news or um, uh, make postings that might, uh, uh, might have an impact on, on other, other individuals uh, to the point that if this was done in real life, they could be um, answerable to, 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 to the law, for example, right? So it's very important, I think, for the for the for the use going forward, in order for you, um, uh, or in order for the for the for the society to reap the full benefit of connectivity and the power of the internet and 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 transform to all the good things that come with it, is to manage that challenge. Know um, you know how best to utilize this as a resource, um, adopt safe use practices. Um, 
work smarter, definitely. Uh, uh, that that gives you uh, more uh, tools for collaboration uh, uh, for in, in shared workspaces, for example. Uh, but at the same time, um, as as, as uh, both Crystal and Carlo have said, keep yourself grounded to the realities of the life. Uh, I think in the Pacific, we we have a very um, um, we, we are in a very unique situation where you could be as connected as anyone. Uh, in, in the developed world, uh, but you only have to travel out so far to get away from it all. And I, and I think that's really a, a, a luxury um, in terms of retaining culture. I, I think there's, there's a huge op opportunity for the Pacific in, in that space where technology could be used as, uh, into investing into repositories for unique languages, for, for, for um, uh, sharing stories of different cultures. It, 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 it's very important. And, and I think uh, that, that's a space where we will, we will see more emphasis in, in going forward in, in, the, in the future. Um, I mean, I often share a story about how my eight-year-old kid is culturally more connected than I am. And, and, and primarily the reason for that is even at this age, he's able to go on Google, go on YouTube, he's able to search for things and actually learn why it is that we do things in a particular manner. What, what, is, how, what is the cultural implication of you know, a, a certain action? He's able to link back to that. Uh, whereas, you know, I more or less did that because we saw others doing it over time and we just did it without knowing the underlying reasons for this. So I think uh, there's an opportunity for uh, the younger generations to, to, to not only um, uh, retain cultural uh, practices, but actually understand the underlying reasons for those. So, so that, that becomes very important. Uh, but I think we we are in a unique uh, space right now where we can learn from this and and identify these issues now and and create um, or adopt um, best use guidelines if if I may use the term uh, what what should the use of today uh, or children uh, sh should be how should they be using these technologies going forward um, I think that's very important because if as long as they're able to um, um, you know, uh, remedy the challenges that come with it. I think there's huge opportunities associated with um, benefiting uh, from from connectivity. And that concludes today's Talanoa on Vossa. Thank you for joining us for our very first episode of 2021. And on that note, I have a question for you. Are there any people that you think would make for great guests on the show or any topics that you think we really should cover? Let us know via the Vossa podcast handle on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We love hearing from you. And I really love seeing the comments, suggestions, the questions that we have online and absolutely encourage you to keep that coming. In the meantime, Vinaka Vakalevu, thank you again. I'm really looking forward to bringing you more amazing content this year.